Hello and welcome to Wonderful. I'm David Pearl, the founder of Street Wisdom, and this is a podcast we've designed for anyone who wants to get some inspiration on the go. Today, a lot of us are listening to podcasts while we walk. Wonderful is a podcast designed specifically for that, a podcast to walk to, something to put a bit of wonder in your wonder. You're welcome to listen to this as you wander around your home or lying on the sofa even, you'll find inspiration is actually everywhere. But if you've got a bit of time, and let's face it, we've all got a bit of time, let's boot up and head out into the street. Hey, hello, wanderellas, wanderfellas, wanderistas, lovers of the wonder all. Hello, and welcome to uh, this episode of Wonderful. Or should I say ciao, benvenuto to Questa episode di Wonderful, uh, because I'm in northern Italy. The more perceptive of you might have noticed that that sound in the background is cicadas. And it, uh, that's not a sign that climate change has truly come to North London. Uh, I've actually moved down to northern Italy for a month. Uh, leaving Andrew, uh, I see him now in Glasgow <laughs> in his T-shirt and shorts, sweltering in, what is it, 19 degrees up there? That's a Glasgow, 22, that's a Glasgow heat wave. It's hot here and uh, I'm enjoying some what they call dolce far niente, some hanging out. Um, and actually that's strangely appropriate for our guests today. Um, because, you know, what is it you want in, in simmering heat uh, as you sit by the, by the pond? We don't have a pool, we have a pond. Uh, you want some ice cream, right? Ideally, maybe Ben & Jerry's would be good. Or maybe no, maybe, maybe you'd like to... To, to reach out and, and give yourself some beautifully brewed pucker tea. This isn't product placement. This is by way of introduction to our guest for today, who has led both of those businesses, Ben & Jerry's, mmm, and pucker tea, mmm. Her name is Anuradha Chug, or Anu for short. Um, and she's a wonder, and you're going to hear from her, her shortly. Um, the thing is, well, a thing is, uh, leadership. Uh, Andrew just asked me whether I was keeping up with the, the British news at home, and I don't know if it's anything like this in your countries, but we're not exactly uh, sort of overwhelmed by great leaders at the moment. Mm? Fair to say? And um, I remember when we were up in Glasgow at COP, we met some amazing women leaders, including the brilliant Bianca Pitts, who runs She Changes Climate. And she really made a unarguable point that that we need more women leaders and I think that's I think that's definitely definitely true and Anu is one of them I think she is she, I think she's come from the future because <laughs> she's got this wonderful blend of head and heart of so the rational and the emotional as you will hear uh, for somebody in her position which is you know leading a huge tea brand uh, and uh, it's more than tea isn't it it's it's state of mind it's it's health and good you know well-being but also extremely sort of really purpose-driven well a lot of companies at the moment are sort of to sort of rush to catch up and 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 uh, ally themselves with doing good things in the world um pucker and indeed ben and jerry's were sort of leading the way and um, as you'll hear that really lights anu up um, so does when when she talks about the actual the, the smallholders who actually make the tea and the herbs that Pucker use. She really she, she really comes to life. Um, 
and also talking about how she's been led more by her heart than her head. I think that's unusual for someone, again, in her position. And uh, I think she's a sort of business leader that we need many more of. So without any uh, further ado, um, we're going to slide into the conversation with Anu uh, Chug, which we did quite recently. But before I do that, a little more ado. Um, I make a mistake. Yeah, hard to imagine, but there it is. Um, Andrew pointed out that I made a mistake. And so did Anu, actually. So there it is. And my mistake was to say that uh, Pucker Tea, which if you don't know it, go out and get some. It's marvellous. Uh, is owned by Unilever. In fact, it has recently moved on and is now owned by a big tea uh, group called Ekaterra. So just to be correct there. Okay, anything I've missed, Andrew? I think not. I think just uh, dial down the cicadas and let's dial up Anu Chug. Enjoy. Yeah, no, I did. I went straight to Unilever um, and I started in, um, you know, the, the, the training's quite intense. It's, it really takes you to all different parts of India, including the rural parts of India. And you live there and all of that. So it's a really good training. And I started then in ice cream. Um, and I did that for four years, uh, but then at that point of time I left. So that pretty much kind of you know your heart takes you where you want to go, kind of a thing. Um, so I met my husband, who was also in Levers, and he had left Levers by then, and had joined a company in the Caribbean. So there was no way I was going to be you know newly married, and he's in the Caribbean, and I'm in India. So I so I left and um, was. I did work there at the Caribbean, but it does get a bit boring when you're used to the whole world being your oyster yeah. and then you've got a small Caribbean island, which is your place. Um, so we stayed there for, I think, a year and a half. And then um, then I think in 2003, moved to the UK. So while I've kept, while I've been pretty much in the same, let's say, career or company for most of my life, um, I've moved around geographically quite a bit. Um, and then when I was in the UK um, in 2003, um, and that, and since then I've largely been yeah, in the UK. Right. You said something interesting to me just then. You said, you know, oh, you know, your heart takes you where you want to go. Say more about that. Are you somebody that follows your heart? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, you have to, right? Because you, you, you give your whole self to either working or, or or whatever you do so you've got to be really comfortable with the choices that you make um, and I don't think choices can be all that rational so I don't or maybe not rational at all <laughs> yeah I love you know say more about that because I you know I've worked a lot in the arts and I've worked a lot in business and there is this I think a myth that business is very rational I think actually in some ways the arts is a little bit more rational because you've got less budget so you have to be really specific about what piece of scenery you're going to make. Whereas in business, it actually seems very often emotional, actually, so especially senior leadership or even founders of companies. They, they're, not, they're not being rational when they found companies. They're being more, maybe a bit more visionary. T tell me about what, what is the cocktail that you experience in daily life or between rational and, let's say, emotional? My experience would say things are largely emotional, you really have to speak to the heart. Uh, then you translate those into codes. And even the codes sometimes are mainly emotional. If you talk about packaging, you know, it has to emotively speak to you. 
it has to grab you emotionally while you're walking down a shelf or an aisle um, so something as as functional as that really has to be very emotionally driven the rational comes in more as post justification so you know it, mm-hmm. it whether it is you know you're selecting a partner selecting a company selecting a house all all these decisions go so much by what you feel and then everything else yeah. is okay it's within my price band it's within the area that i so then then everything kind of goes in brackets and yeah. you know, justification but but the main part i i completely feel is something that's very very uh, emotional how it makes you feel the emotional connection that you feel with it yeah. most of the time you can't put it down into words so then the job of a clever marketer is to be able to codify make that rational for everyone to keep at it consistently i love that and do you think you are uh what's the word i'm trying to look not an anomaly but how many people do you think do, do you meet many people that feel the way you do or do you find yourself often around people who think no reason first numbers first you know justification first and then the emotion second mm-hmm. I don't think it's just purely a marketing thing. So if you take yourself outside marketing and go into business as a whole, in the end we're talking about needs and meeting people's needs and and trans- so even if it's a financial need yeah. or it's a, something that looks like a very database need, you're still fulfilling needs. Um, and, and I think that's where the emotion comes in. Now, when you want to fulfill someone's needs better than the other person or better than your competitor, then it makes sense for you to look at the data. understand whether you're doing the right job uh, yeah. but then again all of that is evaluation so that's not that's not the point of decision making for the consumer that's evaluation and evaluating if you're doing a good job and that's where it becomes really important to put the head in because then you can't yeah. be saying i believe i'm doing a great job no you've got to look at the data and really figure out if you need to course correct or not And do you think that's common in Unilever or, or in business? Because my, my sense is you're a bit of an outlier. I mean, I work a lot with business people. I put it this way: I think that is how people re- behave, and I don't think this is how they think they behave. But it wasn't. It wouldn't be how they describe how they behave to themselves. Yeah. They'll often say, "No, no, no. This is this is an intellectual rather than an aesthetic thing." But I just wonder. I just wondered whether you are a bit of a rebel. or a bit of a uh, an um what did you know a little bit of counterculture coming from anu there i don't think so i think i think you just have to be brave enough to really see it for what it really is yeah you know our decisions yeah. are highly yeah. emotional as well now you know yeah that's a lot of money that's out there um yeah. and i would say that if you really dig beneath the surface you would see that you are making decisions or you know a good business a good company is yes definitely balancing both um, but then you know you keep even if you take something and you go out of specific products what you look at employees people who work with you yeah th- there is a massive balance between rational and emotional decisions as well but on a day to day basis you're working on a lot of things that really make you feel proud to be working in the company you feel mm. you feel empowered these are all feel words you've been associated with at least two brands that are very emotional one is your tea pakati and the other is uh, ben and jerry which is for a lot of people highly, ice cream is highly emotional and these are things that 
you know, you associate with intensely kind of humor and celebratory and things. Was there was there a kind of logic in your mind in choosing those brands to be associated with, or was it part of a sort of random Unilever uh, discovery that oh Anu, you're going to you're going to ice cream? I started at ice cream, and and right. I think right, 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 as you always say that you know you you gravitate to what you find exciting. Um, yeah. I've not worked on detergent, uh, household cleaners. Um, I suppose I did have the choice, and I kind of gravitated away from those. <laughs> so you, so you, there is a bit of int- intentionality that comes in. There's a lot of luck yeah. that comes in as well. So you know, if I hadn't got my early roles in ice cream and fun stuff, I would have really found fun in detergent cleaning, I suppose, you know. (laughs) Um, But I think you also have to find, even if you're in detergent cleaning, which is nothing wrong with that, right? You've got to find the higher purpose. You've got to find the higher purpose of what makes you really tick in that space. Because, yeah, you could be relieving the workload of so many uh, underprivileged women by giving them a really good detergent that makes their job easier, especially in developing countries. So you've got to be able to articulate for yourself the purpose behind why you get up in the morning and leave your kids and go to work. And, you know, that's got to be bigger than just the money you bring back. And so how does Anu do that? <laughs> I put you on the spot. How do you, what, what would you see as your purpose currently? You're, you're, you're leading Pakatees. You're busy. You're, it's, it's presumably a pretty tricky time, what with inflation and supply chains. You need lots of energy. What, what, what sort of things are in your personal purpose? The first, the most important thing that I think guides me, whether it's been at Paka or Ben and Jerry's or the roles before, have been that I would believe I need to inspire myself to start with uh, and inspire those who I lead. Because you get the best work from yourself only if you are a beacon for inspiration, if you're a beacon that can provide something that you can look up towards. Uh, And I I start with myself. If I am not inspired on a daily basis by using the beauty of Pakati to make the world a more beautiful, healthy and more well-being place, then I'm not inspired and I can't lead. So it's when I feel that I'm not inspired, then I've got to shake myself up and say, okay, how do I go and get inspiration? How do I feel inspired? Now, there's a lot to feel inspired with Ben & Jerry's, with Paka, with many of the brands I've worked with, because they're really businesses that do good. They're really businesses that are pioneering. They've pioneered how to crack the model of growth and impact and positive impact. And not just positive impact, but pioneering and finding new ways to combine health, well-being, profit, planet, people in, in extremely inspiring ways. I suppose that's why I've gravitated to these businesses because I'm inspired by them. And that's why I do well with these businesses because I can really keep what's at the core, which is the inspiration burning. And, and that's yeah. my purpose, to be a beacon for inspiration. That's beautiful. A beacon immediately, um, uh, you know, it suggests a, in a point of light in the darkness, mm-hmm. literally. And does Anu have a practice? Do you, what are the sorts of things you do to shake yourself and get inspiration? Is it simply a matter of remembering what you're doing and why you're doing it? Or do you have like physical things that you do? Or I know you're interested in mindfulness and so on. I would say that's shifted over the years. Um, 
I think in the beginning, I would really make myself go out. I'm, I'm, I'm a people person. People inspire me. So I would push myself to do things out of my comfort zone, not like bungee jumping and stuff like that, but, you know, go out and meet other people, meet people who are, maybe that's how I met Louise, maybe that's how I met you, you know, people who are not necessarily in my, let's say, close business circle. So be yeah. inspired by other people. Um, yeah. And I think that, that's that's an important source for me to, to feel what other people are doing outside and what inspires them and learn from them and bring that back. It, yeah. it kind of rekindles my own purpose when I do that. Yeah. Who are the kind of people or organizations that at the moment are inspiring you? Because it's a world that needs inspiration, Anu. I really feel like, well, we'll come to it, but I feel like we need to work the inspiration muscle because otherwise people are becoming quite defeatist, yeah. quite fatalistic in some yeah. ways. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'll point to two, two, two organizations and people. Um, one, you, you rightly bring up uh, Roots. That's a women-based yes. um, refugee uh, company. It's a, it's a, it's an organization, social organization, social enterprise organization. It's a two-man band, and they do amazing work. And that really inspires me because it's not like they have a massive matrix organization behind them, but they're just so hardworking and they're so passionate about finding ways to mentor women who have come from refugee and asylum seeking backgrounds into this country. Not very big, just based in London. And they just really look after women who are in the London area because they can't expand beyond. Yeah. To put your... And they're very young, these these two women. And the way, the passion with which they work with very little resources is extremely inspiring. And that's, you know, I'm not talking about changing the lives of millions of people. I'm talking about really changing the lives of 25 people per cohort. And there are three cohorts in a year. You know, but the ripple effect that has is very powerful. Tell us... Um, you talked about a little bit about how you're trying to perhaps balance up growth and positive impact mm. and you're making, you know, make, doing good and doing well. To say a bit more about that, if you would, with yeah. Pucker and, and what that means for you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This is my sweet spot. I love talking about this because you really kind of brings together business, which is what I've done for the last 26 years with impact and, and really doing business in today's world. Right. So you're yeah. and in today's world, we've got to do business in a way in which all our activity is regenerative. It's it's giving back to the planet. It's giving back to the to ourselves. It's inspiring us as well. And it's inspiring us because we're doing the right thing for the planet, for the people and for profit. Let's not forget the primary role of business is to sustain itself from year to year to year. And you sustain yourself by by delivering sustainable growth. Right. You can bring the two together and there are absolutely proven models and these are not new. These proven models have existed in the past as well, because in the past as well, families have had to continue to survive and give that business on to their children and the grandchildren, etc., etc. But we're rediscovering them. So I think after the many rapacious years of the 70s and 80s and 90s, we're rediscovering business as a force for good. Yeah. And let me not just talk theoretically, let me talk practically, right? So when you're talking about a business like Paka, a B Corp, uh, you're really building impact into your growth 
fundamentals. The more you grow, the more positive impact you have. And you build it into your PNL. You bake in positive impact into your profit and loss statement, into your ways of working by mechanisms, by governance, by bringing in things like 1% for the planet, by including premiums for fair life and fair wild, which you put into your herbs that go into your teas, by really working through all aspects of the stakeholders that are impacted by your business and really making sure that they are not just paid fair, but they're paid more than fair so that that circle, the virtuous circle can continue. So these are very clear and precise mechanisms by which you bake in positive impact into your growth model. Mm. Then it becomes, and then you've got to maintain it, but that's the easier part, right? Because then you've got to do the great marketing and the great um, brand building to make sure that people see that and love it and keep buying what you're selling. But as long as people keep buying what you're selling, everything that you then sell has a positive impact to that last person, to that last or maybe first person who's doing wild berry picking somewhere in Guatemala. And that's the circle that we that that businesses and good businesses absolutely maintain. And I, I completely agree with you. I think the 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 solution to the current problem we have we, will come from businesses working together with governments, working together with charity institutions, etc. Yeah, I like to think of rather than use the word business, which has got a kind of well, it's got a kind of fixed meaning in people's minds. I, I like to think enterprise. That I'd say because it's a spirit of enterprise. Mm-hmm. The, the, you know, the enterprising people bringing. I think enterprise means to bring people together. I'm not sure. I have to look up that afterwards. But but basically, what I get from you is this sense of enterprise that with Pucker, for example, it isn't that you produce and then retrospectively think, oh, how do we tell a green story about this? But actually, it's, it is engineered that the more you do the growth, the more impact, the more positive impact you're having. And that's designed in to the business model. Yeah. Do you, and I was going to ask you, sort of partly answered it. Um, when you sort of think about the beneficiaries of this the impact on whom you're, the positive impact, who do you have in mind? And you just mentioned the berry picker in Guatemala. Who are in your kind of your gallery of beneficiaries when when you're sitting there at the at the head of this organization seeking to inspire people? What kind of people are benefiting from from Pucketee's work? You have to have these people around the table. You have to know them by name. So you right. know, so so Mr. Falada, who is our supplier in India, I, I was fortunate that I went and visited some of our farms in India. And you literally have to speak to the farmers themselves. I'm not very good with figuring out how big this land is. But, you know, I saw that the lady who is owning her land and she picks the field mint for our three mint tea. Okay, so now I have a picture in my mind that that land that I saw and stood in her her patch of land is a two-acre large land. So now I have that idea in my head. And I know that when I'm working on the you know, uh, on the way we, we sell three mint, the benefits go back to her back in the field. Yeah. And and keeping those real people in mind is really important. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, we, we source from 35 countries around the world. We source 185 different herbs. But these are all numbers. You've almost got to remember Mr. Ashwagandha. Now, I don't necessarily remember his name, but I clearly remember his face. And I remember digging for Ashwagandha in the, in the mud 
uh, and he pulled out a, uh, the roots of ashwagandha for me you know so i so and that those, those are the the stories that i keep in my mind um, and that's important yeah. because if you work towards to 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 meet the right needs of mr ashwagandha then all the way through you're doing the right thing it's a beautiful thing and you it, i'm touched by it because unilever is obviously a massive global concern but as i often find these larger concerns are essentially villages of a confederation of smaller businesses and it's wonderful to hear that you know you've got this personal visual heartfelt contact with your suppliers literally digging it out of the ground that feels that feels really wonderful and the fact that you're this is you're not a small um as you like your friends in london you're not a small two person thing pucker is literally all over the world right so the bigger that brand you've you've got a global brand that's got a kind of local a local heart yeah, and that's absolutely must and i think on the other end you know the same you've got your suppliers and on the other end you've got your consumers who you work for because you are putting in health and well-being in an accessible way in their cup they're not getting a good night's sleep you know we've got people writing to us and they say thanks to your fabulous teas i've actually been able to for the first time in many years get a good night's sleep yeah uh, you know we've got people who write to us about our menopause supplements and they're like you've changed my life because all the pills the white pills that you get all the various advice you get from well you don't get advice from doctors you get prescription from doctors have yeah. not helped yeah it's so beautiful that because you're not really selling tea you're selling the effect of the tea you're selling health you're selling health yeah if you can sell health <laughs> that's really interesting well i think a lot of people try to but i think what a lot of people are selling is the opposite of health but <laughs> Where does where does Anu take her tea and and I mean what is you when you unhook from this, and uh, what do you do to promote your own health? You know, it's I get that you do it because you can't give what you haven't got. But I wonder what your practice is for maintaining your own health and your kind of calmness in, which is evident by the way. But in what must be a very distracting, busy at times very stressful kind of environment i would have thought how do you keep what are your what are your ways of staying healthy i think I, the more i've realized it's really about being rather than doing and i would say that was not the case earlier i was much more you know quite uh, decisive more action oriented um and i think i've really come to learn it's really about your mind your being um, so my practice does include an hour of meditation in the morning i wake up at 5 I'm very fortunate that both my husband and I do the same practice. So we both wake up at five, so there's no chance of you know saying, "Oh no, it's too cold tonight today." Or whatever. You're basically, what you've just said, you're the perfect couple. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I wake up at five, but it's not because I'm going to meditate. It's just because I can't sleep. <laughs> That's amazing. So you wake up, you go off to your separate pillows or whatever it is. Your yeah. your meditation, amazing, great. That's one, uh, and I think. I like uh, I don't have a big garden I have a very very tiny garden but I just like mucking around in it so you know that 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 gives me a sense of grounding um, and then I think literally I, yeah literally literally gives you a sense of grounding and then I just like a a good book in the evening so it's a, a simple yeah. life in that sense <laughs> yeah 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 I remember when we were talking to in the lockdown also you were 
focusing very much on face-to-face, -face, uh, not face-to-face, -face, but a Zoom calls with no slides, but really making contact person by person to keep. How would you say, how's your team doing post-pandemic? Have you, have you noticed, uh, yeah, have you noticed any changes that, 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 that have stayed with us? Look, it's changed our lives quite significantly. You know, let's really acknowledge and face that because both for the positive and for the negative, you know. So um, the positives are that there's much more balance um, that you can command. That's the wrong way. That there's much more that you is in your power. So you, there's nice. more that you can say that I'm not coming in. I'll get all the work done, but I'm not coming in right. today. You know, or right. I've got to take my daughter out to the doctor now, but I I know I can I can work in a different way. So there's people are more empowered to do the right thing for themselves. At the same time, you know, the pressures in the world have only increased. So mm. you know, so so you're adding to that empowerment and that flexibility. More work, more stress, more political upheaval, more economic upheaval. So th that. Post the I can't even call it post pandemic. The pandemic care is 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 needed continuously. So if senior business leaders learned the hard way that they need to care for their people, I mean, then I hope they've really learned that message because that has to continue all the way through. All that wonderful tea talk. It's. Uh... It's enough to make a caffeine addict like me. I've actually got a, an espresso in my hand as we speak. I don't think Anna would be super happy about that, but she tells me that there is a tea that got her from coffee to tea, because she wasn't a great tea drinker. I don't think that's, uh, I don't think that's uh, you know, violating her confidence, but um, she says that, that Pucker's licorice and peppermint is the, is the kind of the, the gateway the gateway tea for new tea drinkers. So let's get some. But oh, how lovely! How 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 great to, uh, to talk to Anu, and I'm very I'm very grateful that she took time out of a very busy day to, to talk to us. She's um, she's she's all heart. Um, she talks about global brands with local heart, but I think the heart comes from her. Beautiful. Listen, a couple of things before we move to little exercise that we're going to uh, little experience, as it, as we always do in Wonderful. We take a, a snippet of what was said and see if we can experience it, climb into it, walk it around a bit. But a couple of things just to say, um, we'll put a link to Roots in the notes, the, the, the non-profit that, that Anu mentioned and supports. Um, and also we'll, if, if Andrew remembers, We'll put in a link to uh, Bianca Pitt and She Changes Climate, um, which again about climate, uh, women climate leaders ha having more of a voice. Well, a 50-50 voice, why not? As there's 50% well, of the world is made up of them, then why not? So um, now let's think about something. The, the word heart keeps coming back to me from that conversation. And I'm gonna suggest we do a, a simple but profound little exercise which is um, a heart-led walk. You up for that? So um, whether you're outside or inside, um, uh, sheltering from the heat, you can do this. What I want you simply to do is for the next five minutes, bring to mind a question that you'd love a fresh answer to. It could be anything, anything about work, about life, about the next 
T you're going to choose, whatever. Don't make it too small or too big. Let, let one come to mind. Mine is going to be, I think, um, yeah, developing my musicality. How do I do that? Having spent my life doing music, how am I going to develop my musicality? And then simply put your hand on your heart. That's on the left-hand side, Andrew. Not that, yeah, there, that's right. The left-hand side. And um, let your heart guide your steps. Let your heart guide your mind. Let your heart guide your eyes. So, so often the heart is just a kind of, we think of it maybe as a sort of a blood supply utility. <laughs> but of course, for generations and eons before, it was regarded as a very um, powerful navigational aid. What? And Annie talks about, you know, lead where your heart takes you. And so it turns out it, it's as applicable today as it ever was. So that's it. You're just going to... I'll do it now, actually. Do it with me. We, you, um, if you're inside, you can close your eyes. Obviously, don't bump into the furniture. But if you're outside, it's probably good just to lower your eyes. And ask that question now. How can I extend and nurture my musicality? And then... Andrew, I want you to do this too. Uh, we're going to go for a walk, see where your heart takes you. And maybe as you go, you can like use your eyes as cameras. You know that lovely technique of just blinking. You know, if you see something, you blink. It's almost like taking a retinal photograph. You just you bring it back and bring it back to you when we when we reassemble in. And let's say we have said five minutes, I've said ten minutes. Let's say seven and a half minutes. Take seven and a half minutes to have a bit of a heart-led wander, and uh, let's. We'll be back here and we can compare notes. So, how do I nurture? Okay, so uh, how was that? Uh, We'd love to get your responses to that question, find out what you uh, got up to on your little wonders. Uh, so do let us know, drop us a line, send us a, send us a tweet. Um, but for me, I had a really, it was almost instant, to be honest. I, I put my hand on my heart and I asked the question, um, how do I nourish, the word nourish came, nourish my musicality. I've been a musician all my life, but how do you, you know, how do you, how do you grow it and keep it growing? Grow your curiosity. In my case, I'm working on my voice. How do I find new richness in my voice and so on? New richness in my voice. Um, and what happened was the my feet, my heart told my feet go this way. I thought I heard some birds in the sky. I thought, oh well, there you are. But actually, my feet went no, no, this way, and took me to a pond. I'm that's a grand word for it, but anyway, let's call it let's call it a pond. And you might be able to hear, actually, sound of running water. There's a small pump in it. And as I stood there, I heard the music in the water, which was a kind of da 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 And then the cicadas that we mentioned before are going, so they've got a kind of 4-4 against the 3-4. And it suddenly sort of dawned on me that there's a dance going on. There's a kind of... If you listen to nature, that's music. And yes, the birds with the little little accent notes up there in the sky. And so my message to myself was connect with the music in nature. And then 
my heart said dance. Um, and, well, I'm not going to call it a dance, but let's just say I shuffled, I, I, I boogied a little bit. And I think the idea there is lock into the rhythm of, of nature. Don't just listen to it as a passive, as a passive consumer, but get in there. I mean, uh, Andrew, Andrew's a real musical maven and he will know better than I, but I mean, I'm sure um, rhythms, the basic rhythms probably all come from nature anyway. Yeah. Uh, and there, just as just to confirm that, the cicada section just gave it. It's just doing a little solo over there. Actually, some naturalist is going to is going to write in saying they're not cicadas; they're lesser spotted grasshoppers or whatever it is. But anyway, there's cicadas in my mind. So yet again, actually, there's this theme running through. Probably it's running through my head and my ears and my heart, but also through this podcast series of kind of connecting more with nature. And um, coming up soon, keep your eyes open. We do another um, full episode with Paul Balencia, my friend, the uh, the more than human world tracker and explorer. We managed to find some uh, uh, wildlife in the heart, and I mean the heart of. The, the concrete and glass fever dream that is Dubai. So we'll uh, keep your eyes and ears open and you'll see what happens when we met the, when we met the, the storks, the cranes, the flamingos. That's it, the flamingos of Dubai. But between now and then, you know what I'm going to say. I'm going to say, get out there, get lost, but don't feel lost. Frankly, we're all lost, but you don't have to feel lost. You can treat it as a journey of curiosity. Stay safe, stay aware, and keep it wonderful. If you enjoyed the podcast, I think you'll really like my book, Wonderful. It's all about how to activate your inner compass so you can find better ways to live, laugh, love, and other things beginning with L. You'll find your copy on Amazon. And if that all sounds a bit salesy, the truth is all my proceeds go to my nonprofit, Street Wisdom was set up to offer a fresh new creative practice free to people all over the world and let's face it the world could do with a bit more creativity right check out streetwisdom.org and you'll find audio guides news about where events are taking place and other creative loveliness if you're looking for your next step it's a great place to start so please like and subscribe to the podcast and have a wonderful day did you see what I did there, Andrew, when I said next steps? That means like both physical and metaphorical next steps. I guess what we call a play on words. Marketing gold, really.